Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to What's the Word, the show that's about finding out what inspires people to succeed in their respective careers. My name is Cheval John, and thank you for joining me. I'm broadcasting live from the Beans, Ben's Beans here in downtown Houston, where it's, you know, they serve excellent coffee, as always. And, of course, uh, before we get started with this show, I want to say that this podcast, this show, is sponsored by Office of America, which is a co-worker space located here in Houston. And to visit their website, uh, you can visit you can visit at www.officeinamerica.com. That's www.officeinamerica.com. Now, I had the opportunity to chat with an awesome lady by the name of Jennifer Hovestad, who is Operations and Project Manager for O3, which is a digital marketing agency based in Raleigh, North Carolina. Now, Ms. Hovestad is, you know, got is has is a has her law degree, and and is an attorney who who actually inadvertently fell into into a career where she used her legal expertise and analytical thinking to advise executive level staff and manage functional teams. Now you're gonna hear how uh, she got into uh you know working for O3 and also the importance of live stream, which has really helped her. And you know to build an, an awesome, uh, strong portfolio in her in her career. So without further ado, here's the interview with Jennifer Hovestad. Jennifer Hovestad, welcome to the show. Thank you, Shaval. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for taking the time out of the, your busy schedule to be here on the show. I'm truly honored. Now I'm going to start off with a little icebreaker, and I'm going to ask you this question: uh, Who is your favorite sports team, and why? Oh goodness, my favorite sports team. Wow. Uh, you know, I am, believe it or not, a big NASCAR fan. So my favorite driver is Casey Kane, number five. And um, if, if I had the option to go to any sporting event and to pull for anyone, it it would be to a, a race to pull for Casey. That is really awesome there. <laughs> now, now, uh, now, what's really interesting is that, you know, your background, you used to work, you worked uh, for many organizations, you know, especially the NHL and also the NASCAR, too. So can you share with us about, uh, you know, about how how that all came about? Yeah, so my background, um, I, I went to undergrad to uh, basically I discovered a love for working in the administrative side of sports. And so I kind of pursued a career for about six years or so in sports, uh, even going so far as to get my master's in sport management and thought the next logical step would be to go to law school and become an agent. And um, as soon as I got to law school, the economy tanked and those kinds of jobs and positions. I had also just just gotten married at the time and those kinds of positions, uh, I'd either have to move away from where I was, which obviously I didn't want to do, or um, just start to look for some other options and opportunities that were closer by to um, where I was living. So uh, that's what I chose to do. Got to explore some new interests along the way in law school. And, and honestly, it's, it's all while I litigated for about a year. Um, you know, really my passion is outside of the courtroom. I enjoy working with people. I enjoy um, connecting with people. And I really enjoy helping people solve problems through research and strategy. And so, you know, go figure the marketing world would be where I end up because that's exactly what we do. And so often people think it's a disconnect from law. But honestly, I was telling uh, my friend Jed Record recently on Facebook, I said, you know, I wish people would call social media a practice. 
because that's literally what it is. There is no set of rules, just like for law. I mean, there's certainly an outline of things you can and cannot do or should and should not do. But, um, you know, there is no book on how to do social media because it just it changes every single day. Yeah. And, and, and of course, you're about, I don't know if you already finished written, written your book, but we will get to that in a second. But, okay. but now uh, let's uh, chat about, uh, you know, O3, O3, the company that you work at. Uh, can you share with us about, uh, you know, about your role as operations and project manager? Sure. Yeah. So I am, and I, I believe now the role is, is moving into being called uh, the, I lead our client services team, but it's, it's still essentially the same thing where I'm heading up our operations and, um, you know, what, one thing I'm doing is I'm focused on our people internally, making sure that all the wheels are moving and that, um, you know, if we experience any kind of, for lack of a better word, bottleneck um, in, in our processes, that that's getting evened out. Um, you know, I was employee number five coming into O3 last June, and we're getting ready to hire employee number 15. So there have been plenty of opportunities for me to resolve some problems and um, make sure that our processes are up and running and really more efficient, most efficient for the team. Um, I, I also interact on a daily basis with our clients. I make sure that our clients are happy, and uh, I make sure that our projects are, are on time and are of the highest quality so our, our clients continue to use us moving forward. That's awesome. Now, now of course, uh, you know, you know, you mentioned before you're an attorney, and mm-hmm. and I guess you know, you know, you decided to go a different route, like how you mentioned, like beforehand. So, so what was it that you know made you decide? Okay, I don't want you know, like after getting your law degree, that this is not for me. I want to, you know, <laughs> pursue something else. You know, it's funny. So my first job out of law school, I think I mentioned, was in litigation. And it wasn't just any litigation. It was family law litigation. And um, it certainly takes a special person to do family law. And uh, I saw in my boss at the time, the managing partner of the firm, just how passionate he was for what he was doing. And I told him, I said, I want to be as passionate as you are, but I know it's not going to be here in family law. And so um, that's when I went back and relied on my business degree. And Essentially, I've positioned myself to use my JD as an MBA. Um, so where I, I know uh, kind of this next level of, of information that a majority, um, you know, people just aren't aware of as far as when it comes down to business rules and regulations. And um, I, I've brought that into multiple businesses as well as the government since I was litigating. So I've, I've worked as an advisor for companies. I have um, run a, an HR for about a 600 person a division of our local state government, and then um, now I'm, I'm here at O3, which is much more of a, a startup atmosphere uh, in the sense that we're we're growing um, we're growing very quickly, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun to be part of those different environments. But it's really more the knowledge that I bring in than anything else. Awesome. Now, now of course, you know, now we're going to chat about live streaming, which you know you are uh, you are definitely you know doing a lot of live streaming, which is awesome. And you host a couple of shows, like for your for the company, uh, O3 at the time, uh, yeah. you know. And then, then of course, you now co-host a show with Mitch Jackson called the Show That Life, uh, you know. And also, uh, dr- you know, unfiltered, you know, draft, you know, talking about uh, different draft beers. So, so <laughs> yeah. how, so how, uh, so can you share about how how is live streaming uh, changed uh, for any business and for yourself personally? So, you know, it's so funny that you asked me about live streaming and you 
specifically mentioned on tap and unfiltered. And I see two of our biggest on tap and unfiltered fans have come in the room, Gary Carr and Chef Michael. So um, that is awesome that they're here at the same time. But uh, yeah, so, you know, live streaming for me, like I said, I'm a big connector. I love networking. I love meeting people. Um, and I think that live streaming has just like, you know, I've taken that to just the nth degree where I would have never have expected, like, you know, you're in Houston right now. I'm in Raleigh. Like, I would have never had a reason to meet you, Cheval, other than us meeting over live stream. And so I just, I think it's fascinating, the people I've been able to meet. So, so that's been the biggest takeaway for me. Um, but I'm so glad you brought oh, up the shows. Wow. Yes, O3 used to do a show. And um, hopefully in the near future, we'll be bringing it back, but where we focused on company culture and just the importance of that, especially in the technology industry. Uh, now I host on Monday afternoons at 2 p.m. Eastern time, the show.live with Mitch Jackson, which uh, basically we just continue to bring um, insight as well as current events and really the the brains behind the live streaming movement, like to pick people's minds to say like, how did you do this? What worked, what didn't work? How are you using it for good? You know, this week we talked to two police officers um, who are part of the law enforcement.social movement, um, really allowing police officers to be on social media and connect with their uh, communities through social, which is awesome. Uh, and then of course, tonight we have untapped and unfiltered at, uh, it's at nine, at 9 p.m. Yeah, 9 p.m. Eastern time, um, where we drink great craft beer and we talk about it and we talk about what's going on in the industry. You know, it's such a hard show to do. No, but it, it's a lot of fun. Uh, we certainly enjoy it. And um, yeah, I think for me, it's it's been the connection piece. Like, I, I truly believe that I can kind of go anywhere in the country at this point now. I have met people from all over the place and feel comfortable getting in touch with them. Um, I'm, I'm hoping to go to San Diego um, for the social media day in June. And it's like, I already have a mini list of people. I want to make sure that I connect with in person while I'm out there um, because, you know, otherwise we just connect on social and it's about being able to make those in-person connections too. All right. Now, speaking of social, how would, why do you think, uh, you know, businesses or anyone should be on social media? You know, I think that um, businesses for sure and people for sure, you know, some people in a personal capacity just aren't going to feel comfortable being on social media. I don't have a problem with that. There's no sense in enforcing someone to be on social media if they're not comfortable with it. Um, but I think businesses, on the other hand, uh, definitely have an opportunity to come onto social and to say, you know, like, here's what we're all about. Um, this is what we sell or the services that we can provide. Here's how we can bring value to you and really bringing business to life in a whole new way. No longer is it for me, the consumer has to go on your website and kind of figure out what you're all about, but you can actually just tell me, you know, you can live stream behind the scenes. Uh, you can write really interesting posts. You can, um, show me pictures on Instagram and Snapchat and, um, consumers are becoming more and more, uh, informed and educated and so it really is truly going to take the unique social campaigns of businesses to to continue to make those connections with consumers do you know cheval i will actually give you a preview i'm going to be doing a periscope later today on this um but i had a client yesterday and you may have seen this on my snapchat this morning yes, I, had, <laughs> I had a client yesterday to tell me so I, she's been a client for two years i helped her get a, a facebook page 
started. She is a local, um, it's a solo uh, monogram and embroidery business here in the Raleigh area. And she told me yesterday that a regional department store has asked for her to be like their um, their go-to monogramming business because they want to make sure that their customers are being served by someone locally. I mean, like, how amazing is that? But here's the thing is my... My my client was like, well, tell me how did you how did you connect with me and you know how did you find me and the the person for the department store said, oh well, I saw you on Facebook and um, one of the things that we've made sure that we do for the business is that we're I, I don't want to use the word trolling because it's not what we're doing but we're monitoring um, Facebook boards and uh, those groups that we're the services that this client is providing to the community um, where those people would know like hey. You know, if you're looking for monogram and embroidery, well, here's business right here. If you're asking about it, that is how they connected. And, um, you know, my client's always been worried. I don't have a website. I don't have a website. And there really wasn't uh, funds for a website at the point where we got started, which is why we chose Facebook. Um, but now she's on Facebook and Instagram. Over the two years that she's been my client, we have probably spent about $175 advertising total. Total. Can't even get a website for that cheap. So um, that that's what I'm going to be periscoping on later this afternoon, doing some small business brainstorming with people and and letting them know how they could also do the same for either their own clients or their, themselves. Um, but you know, it's that is how businesses should be using it, just to connect. And you know, a lot of times businesses are like, well, I I didn't see the return yesterday, or I didn't, I won't see the return in a month. You know, it's it's been two years. But I can tell you right now, my client is very happy that for the past two years, we've done something that's felt long and drawn out, um, but it's paid off right now. And, uh, you know, there's probably ways that we could have sped it up, but, um, you know, it, it's happened. And I, I think it's amazing. And I think every single business has to have some social platform um, if they want customers and if they want to connect with their customers. <laughs> yeah, and I definitely agree with you. I mean, the fact of the matter is because, you know, like how you said it took two years, it's that's the importance of, you know, building that trust and relationship with mm -hmm. people, especially because it's like, you know, like for example, like if you, like if, like most, most businesses, they might only use social media to just go out and just, you know, promote this stuff, but they're not using it correctly, like to build that audience. And I guess that's, I guess it's like, they think that it's still like, you know, like, you know, pre-social media it's where they can just go ahead and advertise right. without interacting with the customers. Yep, you are exactly right. Yeah, and that's, that just can't happen anymore. You know, I read a, um, certainly this client, uh, the business that I'm talking about, it is something where a predominantly female audience. And so I read a recent survey that said that moms who are on Instagram are twice as likely to purchase from a business they are following on Instagram versus not. So that tells me right there, if I'm a business and moms are a group that I'm going after, I better be on Instagram. I, I got to be in front of them. Yeah, definitely. Now, uh, now I got to ask this question. Uh, who, who do you think uh, is doing social media correctly? And why a sports organization, anyone should follow this? Oh man, you know, that's a good question. Um, you know, it was really interesting during the, the ACC tournament in particular, I, I was looking at ACC teams to see who, how, how are they marketing their teams? How are they, particularly um, the booster organizations, how are they drawing people in? Um, from a sport perspective, you know, I, I think that 
I think I think for the most part, teams are throwing things out there to see what sticks, and that's okay. I, I'm a big fan of trial and error. Um, obviously, a, a um, calculated trial and error where we're not wasting time and wasting money, but very calculated. And, you know, some of the cool things that I saw, some of the things that were sticking really well was when, um, you know, th- there would be Snapchats on the sidelines um, or periscopes. Uh, now, I will tell you, I think one of the, the best teams, and certainly I'm partial because I graduated from NC State, the Wolfpack wrestling team, which finished ranked 11th in the country, used Periscope throughout the entire season. Oh, and wow. here's what's really cool. So I talked to the coach about this because I, I met him recently and I told him, I was like, you know, this just fascinates me. You guys did a great job. He said, well, we, we recognized that most people wouldn't be able to get out, wouldn't be able to travel with us because they were traveling pretty far. They wouldn't be able to travel with us where we were going. He's like, we also recognized that most of our matches were on ESPN3 and a lot of people don't have ESPN3. So he's like, Periscope seems to be the next logically best thing. And and one of the cool things I saw as someone who um, fell into those categories, I don't have cable at home, so I was able to watch it. When I was able to watch uh, the NCAA championships from Madison Square Garden through ESPN, what their Periscope showed me was actually a behind the scenes look of Madison Square Garden. So the things that I, they weren't showing me on TV, Wolfpack Wrestling was showing me on their Periscope feed. So I think as, as a fan, particularly of that team, um, that was brilliant to know. I mean, even the coach knew his audience so well and knew that most of them wouldn't be able to watch either in person or on TV. So why not use a free live streaming service in order to show people what they're missing? I mean, that, that's really, and that's how teams have to think. You know, I think a lot of times teams just think like if someone in the stands is filming something, that that counts. And while it may count, um, that really doesn't give anybody that behind the scenes look and feel that the app was actually made for. That is awesome. I I would not have known about that team. You know, that's that's really brilliant. Yeah, you have there. to check them out. Yeah, definitely will. Now, um, now I'm going to get to to a book that you're writing. is is uh is basically a guidebook for lawyers actually on how to you know you know. So can you elaborate more about that book? Yeah. So. Um, Hold on one second here. My screen was messing up. There we go. Um, so, yeah, the, the book that I'm writing right now is, is going to be published by the North Carolina, um, the North Carolina Bar Association, which is our voluntary bar organization here in North Carolina. And, um, you know, I told them one day, I said, I really wish that you guys would provide continuing education, which I have to get 12 hours a year to keep my license. I wish you'd provide continuing education for non-traditional attorneys like myself. And so I guess that idea kind of lingered. And then they asked me to come in and and write a book. And so the idea of the book is that I'm pulling together skill sets of attorneys like myself who work out in the world, but don't necessarily have the title of attorney in the jobs that they're doing. So what do those skill sets look like? What do they need? Um, And I I recently had, um, as part of my interview series, a conversation with a friend of mine who said, he's like, you know what? And this is part of what led me into kind of the social media analysis piece. He's like, um, he is a, for lack of a better word, general counsel, but he owns a a company that's based out of Europe. He's like, I'm constantly trying to figure out who my audience is. He's like, "I, I have to know who I'm talking to. He said, that's actually no different than the person who goes into the courtroom and who has to address a jury. That person tailors their message 
to meet the needs of that particular jury. So whether you have men on your jury, women on your jury, minorities on your jury, whether it's a predominantly white jury, you know, there's, there's so many different things and factors. And, you know, that's just for very um, quick, like I can look at you and know what I, or who I'm talking to and what kinds of needs I'm addressing. That doesn't even go into the fact of the considerations and issues that that lawyer would have found out while they were selecting the jury. So different backgrounds and jobs and occupations, all these other things. Um, he's like, that's, that's what we're doing. We are always addressing an audience. And if people can understand that from the beginning, then you may look at your law degree a very different way where now you've been trained to address an audience. Um, and so how can you take that and move that into other facets uh, of the world. Now, while I'm not, the book is not about addressing audiences. The book is about common skill sets um, that non-traditional attorneys have. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's something that um, students need to be aware of in law school, because I can tell you many times in law school, I told my husband, like, I don't even want to be in a courtroom. Why am I here? I mean, law school is a very grueling process. Studying and passing the bar is a very grueling process. And, but if people can see outside of a courtroom, um, they may see their degree as more valuable, and or I hope they do, and I, I hope they don't get discouraged, you know, frequently, and I'm sure, I'm sure you know this, and I'm sure you've read this, is um, that lawyers, it's one of the um, more high-stressful uh, industries and careers to go into, and it has a very low career happiness. And so, hmm. um, you know, if we can help these attorneys and lawyers see as they're coming out of school that there is much more to the, the chosen career path that, um, you know, that they've been given the education and the skill set to move forward into, uh, maybe we'll have some happier attorneys out there. I don't know. I can't guarantee anything, but maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, I, I do know a couple of people who are currently going to law school right now. You know, and they, you know, so that's, that's kind of that thing there. So now I'm going to, now since uh, you host your own uh, show, uh, I give people who are podcasters, uh, broadcasters, television journalists, or the other, or the farmer to ask me a question on the show. So I'm going to allow you to ask me a question here. Mm. You know what? I think this is great. Shaval, like I would, I would love to turn the tables around on you. So first of all, as people know, I met you through Blab, and obviously we have become incredibly connected, and I joined Blab in September of 2015, so we really haven't even known each other that long, although I feel like I've known you forever. So, Cheval, I want to know for you, like, of interviewing all these people, you know, what, where do you see the value of particularly live streaming? Where has that value been for you personally, and, you know, maybe some trends that you've seen with your guests? Oh wow. Uh well like I what I see in life, what especially for Blab here, I see this as a platform to build an audience. Like for those who are if they're thinking about starting a podcast, mm -hmm. I see this as a perfect platform for them to, you know, to build an audience while they're launching their podcast. So that once they do put it out there, you know, like on iTunes or whatever, they will have an immediate uh well, not immediate, like, you know, success to where it's like a lot of downloads per se, but it's it's like, you know, I see it almost like, you know, like if it's like a television show per se, you know, and you, you record it in front of a live audience and then it goes out on, on national television. That's what I see for this here as well, because, you know, people can see see us chatting while, you know, while this is being recorded. And then, then once, it, once it comes out later on, 
then they're going to be, then they're going to at least say, you know, they're going to feel like they were a part of the recording process. So that's, that's why I see with this, with Blab, especially. I love that. That And that's actually something that, that I had not considered. I mean, I, you recognize it. And when you say it, it's like, oh, well, yeah, but not said out loud that uh, allowing the audience to be part of the process. That's, um, that's great. I, I really like that. Thank you. Yeah. And, yeah. I was, but I was kind of like, a, I was kind of like expecting in the same time, I was kind of like anticipating a sports question as well, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I, I, can I ask two questions? Then? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I want to know, I mean, you're in Houston, so I'll make some assumptions about your favorite teams. But like, well, for you, are are you diehard Texas across the board? Where's where's your favorite team? <laughs> well, uh, I will go ahead and say this. I actually am a Chicago Cubs fan. Okay. You know, I grew up a Cubs fan. You know, I'm originally mm-hmm. from St. Croix, U.S. Virgin Islands, so I grew up a Cubs fan. Then for football, I'm a San Francisco 49ers fan. Okay. And then, uh, then I'm a San Antonio Spurs fan because of uh, Tim, Tim Duncan, Duncan, who, yes. And so, but you know, but since living here in Houston, it's like, I guess you could say, like I said, birds of a feather flock together. Even though I'm still supporting, like you know, my you know my teams, you know, you can't help but feel the feel the atmosphere of a lot of people around here. You know, you know, kind of like feeling like you go kind of supported them. You know, mm-hmm. per se, but that's but that's the thing about it. I mean, you know, it's like it's a it's like a, a real good sports town as well. But there's a lot of things that you can do. Like I've I've discovered there's a lot of stuff to do here in Houston. So yeah, that's what that's what I like about it. That is awesome. Well, I am a huge. I don't know if we've shared this before. I knew you were some, from St. Croix, but I um, grew up a huge Wake Forest University fan, and that's okay. Uh, um, when I was uh, around middle school age, when Tim Duncan was playing, and um, you know, obviously, so glad to see he's had so much success in his career. But I am equally a Tim Duncan fan, and if there is an NBA team that I'm pulling for, it would also be the Spurs. I mean, Tim Duncan could play for anybody, and I would pull for that team because I, I think he's just he's a standout guy. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely agree with that. There, so. Now, uh, three more questions before okay. I open up the seat for those that are watching this. Uh, if you had the opportunity to interview anyone uh, for you guys' uh, show, which uh, the, your co-host, Ms. Jackson, is here right now. But yeah, if, uh, he is. But uh, if you guys had the opportunity to interview anyone that you guys admire, past or present, to learn from, who would that be? Oh my gosh, that's you know that's such a big question. And Mitch knows that I that I kind of have this list of people that I've personally been going after to try to get them to come on. Um, you know, someone that I have not gone after, but I would absolutely love to talk to you because I think she's fascinating. Would be the first lady, Michelle Obama. I mean, if I had the opportunity to sit down and talk with her, whether on Blab or I mean in person, would be unreal. I think that she has. Um, changed the office of the first lady. And (laughs) I love it, Mitch. Yes. I I think she's changed the office and I love the initiatives she's put out, not only um, to make our youth healthier and to make them more aware of movement and what they're eating and um, how they're fueling their bodies. But, you know, they've done a lot of fun things in the White House to kind of bring the White House into a more, um, (laughs) I guess, high speed technology world. (laughs) And, uh, you know, using Facebook Live and things like that. It would be really cool to talk with her just the changes that she's seen over the past eight years and um 
maybe too what she plans to do once they leave the White House as far as taking these things and still maintaining a presence digitally. I, I'd be really interested to know. But I mean, more than anything, I would I would just love to talk with her. She seems like a fascinating person and um, certainly admire her quite a bit. Awesome. Now, uh, where can uh, people find out more about uh, your work and also uh, the show? Of course, your uh, Blab show, the show.live as well. Yes. So I will add our link right here. So the show.live, there is the link. You can go to the website and that will bring up all of our guests. This Monday, we are interviewing Caleb Maddox, who is the 14-year-old, uh, basically CEO, entrepreneur. He is doing so many awesome things. Um, I saw Anthony Conklin, who was in here earlier, he interviewed him about a week or so ago on Blab, and it was a great interview. So I look forward to um, kind of building building that interview out and talking to Caleb more, especially about the work that he's doing through live streaming. Um, but yeah, you can go to the show.live and catch all of our past episodes as well as our future schedule. And then um, as far as connecting with me, so right here, that is my Twitter handle, of course, as well as Blab. And then I am also very active on Snapchat, Cheval, as we've already mentioned, and you and I connect with each other there almost on a daily basis, I think. Um, but people can find me on Snapchat under just J Hoverstad, and I will put that also in the notes over here. So um, we would love to connect with people there as well. Awesome. Well, Jennifer Hoverstad, I want to say thank you for joining me on Once the Word. I'm truly honored. Uh, do you have any final words for our audience? Oh, goodness. Um, so I would just say, you know, for those of you that are in here, obviously, there's something about live streaming that interests you and that made you come on to a show like this. Obviously, Cheval puts out some high value content, which I really appreciate. Um, just continue to stick with it. Find, find the people that um, where you value their opinions and where you want to interact with them and talk to them and get to know them. Um, because being a follower is just part of live streaming. It's the actual interaction and connection is where you really will see the value and where you will be able to uh, not only glean knowledge and information, but also friendships, which, again, for me, is a big piece. So continue using live stream and, and certainly follow my what? buddy right there, Cheval, because uh, Cheval, Cheval knows what he's doing. Yeah, and really? Cheval, seriously, uh, congratulations on, on the work that you've done. Um, both on Blab and Snapchat, as well as your other platforms. It's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. Well, Jen, Jen thanks again uh, for being here on What's the Word. Thank you. Well, everyone, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jen Hovestad. She really brought a lot of energy and shared awesome value about uh, live streaming. And I hope you will uh, follow her on uh, Twitter at Jen Hovestad and also visit uh, the website the show that live at www.theshow.live and also visit uh, the the company that she works for uh where uh o3 at www.wero3.com for slash us uh for slash gen dash hopestad that's uh www.wero3.com for slash us dot for slash gen jennifer dash hopestad so please uh, check check it out well, I hope you enjoyed uh, this this show, and if you missed this episode live, it'll be archived on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. And also, you can visit my media, my social media consultancy's website, www.valonomedia.com, to look at, to look at uh, you know the podcast, the upcoming recordings of this show, and also the past recorded past shows, which is available. Uh, here on on uh, on iTunes and also on my my media company's uh, 
Social Media Consultancy is our website, so please check it out. Well, that is it for today's show. I want to thank you for joining me on What's the Word. Uh, the show that's about finding out what inspires people to succeed in their respective careers. My name is Shabal John. Be real and be independent. And I leave you now with Chris uh, Earl with Just People. Uh, have a great afternoon, everyone, and we'll see you guys next week. Yeah.